Stop looking at me, Swan. Hello, everyone out there in Geek Vibes Nation. This is your pal Dana Alves with another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a show that me and my awesome co-host Christopher Brother Ray Patton do uh, sometimes once, sometimes twice, uh, always nice, uh, you know, podcasts where we break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news for you guys out there. So thank you for listening, for all of our uh, past listeners. You guys are great. Uh, Join the conversation a little bit. I'm on Twitter for some fucking reason. So is Chris. You know, Geek Vibes Nation, check it out. Uh, We also have an Instagram and a Facebook. Uh, Be a part of Geek Vibes Nation and and, and join the conversation. That's that's a really important thing. Uh, And all for new uh, listeners, guys, go to geekvibesnation.com. There you'll find news for bunch of different array of items and, uh, and, and different types of genres of geekdom, if you will. And, uh, yeah, you can also find all of our audio platforms. If you don't want to listen live, we're on everything. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, SoundCloud, any of those audio formats, just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Uh, I want to thank my, my co-host, of course, for joining me to talk about wrestling. How are you doing today, good sir? I'm doing wonderful, man. Just cracked open a Steve Weiser, getting ready for the show, and uh, it's been three years. We've been doing this fucking thing for three years, Dane. So happy anniversary. Thank everyone who's listened to us. New listeners, thank you as well. And old OG listeners, definitely a big shout out to you guys. Dane, how are you feeling about the third anniversary, and uh, how's your week been, bud? Um, I'm loving the anniversary. Um, you, you know, I'm expecting some jewelry in the mail. Um, but, uh, you know, hopefully it will get here soon, Chris. But I, I'm, I'm glad that we could celebrate it together. I like, if you haven't purchased anything, I, I'm, a, I'm a pearl uh, girl, type of girl, gal, if you will. So uh, I'll be sure to get you something as well. Um, but in all seriousness, <laughs> it is pretty awesome. We've been doing this for three years. Uh, I love talking about wrestling. This started off as a podcast of me just blabbing. And not having a lot of knowledge because I lost a majority of it uh, when I stopped watching. So I was kind of learning again about wrestling on the spot while doing a podcast. And it's my favorite thing usually to talk about because I can just decompress, enjoy myself. And, of course, there's no type of dramatic elements to wrestling and, and toxic fans or anything like that. <laughs> oh, well, shit happens. But either way... I've had a decent week. I'm not going to lie. I've actually had a terrible week. I don't really want to go into it. But, you know, uh, shit happens. Just keep on persevering out there if you're having problems. You'll get through it. And um, pay your student loans. That's all i got to fucking say. That's my my advice (laughs) to everyone out there. Either way, uh, you know, uh, let's uh, let's talk about some wrestling, uh, Chris. Uh, we got some news items to go over. Um, 
couple of them are kind of fun. Some of them are, you know, a little more serious than others. Let's start off with one of the fun ones. Uh, it has been reported in Sports Illustrated in an interview that John Jones uh, said that he's always respected WWE and that a partnership or him ending up on it is inevitable in his future, in his career. Now, John came off of a a, a big win uh, in, in which someone should probably take one of the judges and just beat him with a fucking pole. Um, not because John Jones probably didn't win the fight, just because he didn't win four out of the five fucking rounds in the fight, unless you smoke crack. Either way, he's an amazing competitor. He's, you know, for the fact that he's been grinding for, for been a champion his whole youth, basically, but beat every single legend everyone presented in front of him. And, you know, obviously I think a lot of us, it almost happened. You know, someone's going to take him off that pedestal, and maybe he'll still be doing this. You could have a situation like a Mayweather-style thing where you get something set up. It's much smaller. I don't want to, you know, a, more of a, a jokey match. I'd want it to be a, a little bit more build-up, but you have a big marquee match for, like, a WrestleMania. Um, if I were to go down that route, there's only other, one other person that I have in mind, and that's The Rock, uh, just because, you know, I understand he's not a full-timer, but just having them do it back and forth for a little while, set up for Mania, it's going to do big numbers or, or, or something along those lines. Maybe you just put him against someone like Aleister Black because he's MMA or, or Brock Lesnar. There's probably lots of choices. Or maybe he, he gets the bug afterwards. He's 32 years old, so he's still young. It seems like a lot of MMA fighters kind of look at wrestling as like a second thing to do once they realize that, you know, they, it, it, basically we're going to have to see how long – John Jones dominates before we make any brash, you know, uh, uh, statements that it's going to happen. If anything, I could see something small happening like a Mayweather Big Show. I would just hope for it to be better than a Mayweather Big Show at the same time. Either way, I'm glad that John Jones, even though he's said it before, is a fan of the WWE. And I would love to see him involved in some angle and – you know, they just had Cain uh, Velasquez get signed, and they're, they're, they they took him back, and now they've been working on him, getting him better. And uh, it's definitely, for someone of John Jones' level, uh, probably would be even bigger for the WWE. So Vince likes money. John Jones likes money. Another person who said the same thing, Conor McGregor. The reason why? Because he likes money. Of course, the experience is cool, too, but when it comes down to it, it, it is the almighty dollar. So... What do you think about all this, Chris? Yeah, I think it's cool that he's still putting it out there that he's a fan and that he's not completely against working in WWE at some point. I just don't see him as like a Brock Lesnar or a um, someone like Kane Velasquez. Kane just absolutely loves wrestling. It's that mindset of growing up watching AAA and, and that thing. And I don't, I don't think, you know, Bones Jones is necessarily that guy. But obviously that you could make money with, with John Jones. The only thing I, I would say is, you can only go to that UFC wealth so many times. I think he's probably the last big name outside of Conor McGregor that you could do that one-off with. Um, and I hope that, you know, if they do it, it's not, it's not like Floyd Mayweather big show, like you were saying, and, and they try to actually work out a match like they've done with Rhonda uh, when she came in and they got her kind of up to speed really quickly. And the guy obviously knows amateur wrestling. So 
you can work off of that, especially with the way that WWE, half the wrestlers are working kind of a shoot style anyways at this point. So I think there's, there's definitely room to do that. Um, I guess I, I, hmm, I'm just trying to think of an opponent for him and I really can offhand. I, I don't know what you would do. And we're probably talking two years down the line. And to me, if he does show up, it'd be like a one-off or a two-off appearance for like a, a large sum of money because it's not like this guy is hasn't been one of the highest draws in UFC for years, uh, obviously. I think that I, to me, his legacy is a little tainted in some ways just because of all the suspensions um, and just kind of how there's gaps in his career. But, I mean, at his in his prime, he's definitely one of the best fighters I think the UFC has ever seen. You could easily say that. And uh, it would make sense. I think he's still a big name draw, like he said. Um, and I agree with you about that judge. That was kind of crazy. Hopefully, hopefully we don't end up with some weird, wacky shit when we get Wilder and Fury uh, next week. I know it's boxing versus UFC, but these judges always make me feel a little suspect sometimes. I think I think we might be okay with that fight because they're using boxing judges for that, uh, unlike UFC where they're using boxing judges. Uh, sometimes for UFC uh, MMA fights. Ugh, fucking so stupid. Anyways, it was a great fight either way, and, um, you know, I definitely see a new star on the rise, and uh, John Jones is, is a dominant champion, so we'll, we'll see where that goes. But if I'm, if I'm going to lie and say I, I wouldn't like some involvement and maybe see him, you know, kind of have a type of program going into, like I said, a mania you know, that would be a lot of fun. It would be cool. I'd want a more structured, like both me and Chris said, than the Mayweather thing, and just the right opponent. I mean, I don't know who that could be, but I'm sure they could figure out someone. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I want all of them. I want every fucking, uh, you know, big, badass athlete. LeBron James is a big fucking wrestling fan. Come on over, LeBron! You know, fucking John Jones, McGregor. Let's get fucking Tiger Woods, see what he's all about. You know, get him in the goddamn ring. Go back in time and get Bo Jackson, okay? Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. We should definitely go back in time and get Bo Jackson. That man was an athletic freak. He would have been a, a phenomenal wrestler, I'm sure. Think about this. Bo Jackson versus Brock Lesnar. Boom. Come on now. They're like the two genetic freaks of freaks. And you don't know Bo. And if you don't know Bo, go watch 30 for 30. It's a really good one. All right. Anyways, our next item of discussion, The Rock's daughter, Simone Johnson, has officially started training with WWE. Now, it's kind of like unofficially because she just turned, turned 18 and she's now like, you know, signed with them. But apparently she's been training out there with Norman Smiley and a lot of the other uh, trainers and stuff like that for several months. And uh, she's The Rock's first daughter. And she would be considered in WWE history the, the, the first, I believe, the first fourth-generation wrestler. I'm trying to think if, if, if Kurt Henning's son changes that. No. No, no, no. no. I, so, yeah, I, I believe that that would be right. Either way, very interesting concept. Already added pressure because she's the daughter of The Rock. Uh, it was very, very – it was a cool interview, actually, I watched from uh, WWE Backstage, one of the segments, in which – Charlotte was getting interviewed by CM Punk, Booker T, Paige, and, uh, oh, man, I forgot what her name is, um, Dean Ambrose's wife. Renee it. Young. Uh, thank you, Renee, Renee Young. Young. Yeah. And uh, their, their, their questions towards her, CM Punk had a question. He's like, do you 
plan on maybe going there and, and, you know, working with some of them? Because in particular, obviously, Simone Johnson just got signed, and if anyone can relate to her on that type of level, of that type of pressure, it would probably be you. And she, you know, had some good words. And apparently everyone's very high on her. She's very athletic. You know, it's the mic skills that everyone's going to expect. It's not so much the athleticism. Like, you know, they want her to become a female version of her father, which is not fair at all. And I I don't hope that for her. I hope she finds her own voice. I think that Charlotte has done a good job separating herself. And it is cool in concept, since we never got the damn feud itself, that if, you know, she does do really well and she takes off to the business, we have the daughters of arguably the two, two of the best promos of all time in wrestling who could pair up and, you know, have some type of program together. Because I know I would have loved to have seen The Rock and Ric Flair right when he first came to WWE have some type of interaction bigger than a tag match with Mick Foley against uh, Randy Orton, him, and Batista. But either way, this is the this is the daughter of The Rock. Do you think her family legacy, Chris, I mean, the Samoans and just the Aloha family and how big they are, She's got this in her blood. Do you think it's a lot of pressure, and do you think that she'll inevitably be able to get past that and become a good female wrestler? I, I think as long as the fans want to see her succeed, that and, and they book her much like they did Charlotte in NXT and give her some good rivals to face, it's an easier build. And also, I would, you know, you've got to lower expectations when you talk about The Rock as far as promos go. I mean... Charlotte's not on the same level as Rick. She cuts a decent promo, but they've built her really well. And I think that's probably the key to it more than anything else. That and just dedication to being really good at the craft. That's one thing Charlotte, I think, has has proven. She came in from, like, what, pro volleyball, I want to say. And then in six months, she was working her ass off to become what she is now, which is, to me, one of the best female wrestlers in the world. Definitely one of the best in the United States, for sure. Um, so it's definitely a tough path. I would love to see her and Charlotte do something. I don't think you go there right away. I would, I want to see her bud in NXT the same way Charlotte did. And I think that's the place to do it, especially with the female talent they have there. Um, there's lots of opportunity. We'll see. I mean, she may just spin out and not actually want to do it. Who knows? You you never know what's going to happen when you walk into the performance center. I don't, they didn't give us any kind of contract numbers, so I don't know if that's like a hard set deal, but uh, hopefully she's doing it because she wants to like live that legacy of her family. And, and if that's the case, you know, the dedication is going to be there with Charlotte. It was uh, for her brother, right? That was her motivation. So if her motivation is the, you know, the passing of her grandpa and the legacy of her dad and that family's legacy, and she goes in there and works her ass off, I'm sure she's going to be great at it. You know, it's, and that's the thing. I mean, every, every amazing Samoan, uh, well, most Samoan wrestlers in general, because if you get to, you know, obviously Haku and his two sons, Tongalo, Tamatanga, I mean, they just Pacific Islanders become incredible wrestlers. And with the Analoa family, you know, it's it's so deep. I mean, family extended. You got Jimmy Snuka. You got you got Rikishi. You got Yokozuna. You got some of the best agile big men, for that matter. Rosie, Umaga. And then, like, all these other people trickled in, like The Rock, and, and you know, it just, she's got it. And obviously her granddad, a uh, different, uh, amazing wrestler himself, uh, you know, with Rock Johnson. So 
I'm 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 excited for her. I'm uh, I'm definitely excited to see what happens with her. So it's one of those times where I always say this: we'll have to wait and see, people. I'm sure, everyone gets sick of me saying that. Sorry. <laughs> me up on I, I would just say, you know, to, to follow it up. I mean, just don't immediately compare it to The Rock right off the rip, please. And please, WWE, don't book her as if she's The Rock. Don't make her super overconfident in her very first match. Um, I think those are those are the things that would exp- that, that will turn the fans against her early, which you know maybe even starting her off as a heel or something might work better. Um, but you know those are the only things I can point out that are possible fail points um, along the way. But she does have an advantage with her father being The Rock because he can literally pick any wrestler's mind. And I'm sure they would put in the time to work with his daughter. You know what I mean? Like even outside of the performance center, I don't know what the rules and regulations are on that. But if he wanted to call up a Terry Funk and have a have him sit down and talk to his daughter, I'm sure he could make that happen, for instance. Well, remember that if they're going to hit you in the head with a chair, just put your head out and let that take the impact of the blow. It's nicer to the chair. All right. Um, that was terrible. That was a terrible Terry Funk impression. Uh, I thought All right, it was uh, pretty so, good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, good news, bad news. Actually, good news all around. I'll just say that. Jeff Hardy uh, is at been at the Performance Center uh, from his injury, and also obviously he had that one um, DUI not too long ago. But from his injury, he seems to be coming back. He's going to be get, getting uh, back in ring uh, soon. And uh, his brother looks like he's definitely leaving uh, after the whole interaction with him and Randy Orton that we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, that was actually his, his send-off. And after, apparently, he came out uh, and said goodbye or, or whatever. I don't know if it was during the commercial break or after the show ended, but basically says his goodbyes. So uh, that looks like Matt Hardy will be transitioning somewhere else. I know a lot of us have kind of assumed or put in our head that it will be AEW automatically. Uh, there's been some back and forth with him and Jim Ross, you know, that's kind of coded stuff, him and him and him and Cody. So not saying that it couldn't happen. I mean, shit, I just saw a picture of Chris Jericho at EC3, so I don't even know what the hell that means. They're, they're WCW, that shit. Just take all of them. All the guys that fucking WWE aren't using, get a hold of them. Just, actually, don't do that. Anyways, um, unless they're awesome, unless they're like Matt Hardy. And they expect him to be a part of the Dark Order or something like that, some kookiness to what Matt Hardy presented that got him over so much in the latter part of his career. So how do you feel, Chris, about Jeff, you know, coming back and who will probably, because he's always been looked at very much differently with Vince McMahon, more of a main eventer, um, unless, unless all the trials and tribulations have definitely waned on uh, his credibility. But also, how do you feel about Jeff coming back, and how do you feel about Matt making his exit and, you know, uh, probably going to be embarking on his next journey, most likely at AEW? So Jeff coming back to me just screams big superstar for NXT. You have him in a controlled environment where you're filming one weekly live show, you're not doing as much traveling, and you got The Fiend there. You can do that match that people have wanted. Um 
I think it screams that. And, and the only reason I think he's still staying is they're not going to release him because they tacked on time to for his, for his injury one to that contract and as well as the substance abuse. So he's probably got like six to eight months still tacked on his contract. That being said, I don't think they're going to utilize him that much on the main roster. So if you're going to util, if you're going to use him, you could at least get some big matches, some kind of dream matches with some of the NXT guys. And you're not putting that travel strain on someone who just essentially got back out of rehab. Um, so if it's me, that's probably the route I would go. Um, but if Vince sees Matt Hardy's doing really well on AEW, maybe he buries Jeff. Who the fuck knows? It's 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 old man Vince. He's crazy. He's done some great things, but he is crazy as we all know. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, the Matt Hardy thing, I think, you know, wherever he goes, he's going to do fine. He could even go back to impact if he wanted to. And I'm sure that that would give them a little bump. I mean, he could do stuff in MLW, but I, I feel like the landing spot is just AEW, regardless of what people are saying. They're just trying to keep, keep a straight face, which I think he's been doing. And, and, you know, they've given us some really good debuts. One we'll talk about a little bit later, but, uh, yeah, I, I for Jeff, I feel like NXT is more of the fit for him. I don't know where you squeeze him in to the main roster on a WrestleMania show, unless you're going to do uh, another news item, unless you're going to do like Cena versus Jeff somehow. Um, and even then, I think I would worry about that uh, just a little bit with Cena coming back. So it's uh, to me, it just it screams NXT and something you could easily do and, and make that fun. I love the idea of Jeff going to NXT. I think that he could have, like you said, him and Finn Balor, so Demon versus, you know, Jeff Hardy, that's there. But there's also a lot of great talent to see him mix it up with, him and Velveteen Dream even, um, where it it would definitely be – I think that would be good for him. I think it would be good for him to be around a bunch of uh, younger wrestlers and kind of helping them out with their craft. And, uh, you know, I, I think that would be a very positive thing to do. But Matt Hardy, the only question I have to you, Chris, uh, that kind of scares me, someone brought this up, I think, on Cultaholic when they were analyzing this. Um, you don't think, like you said, crazy man Vince, that instead of letting you know Matt's contract run out like it's supposed to be, they decide to, quote-unquote, release him in the next day or two so that tax on another month of a non-compete. You don't think he'd be that, like, fucking douchey. Although I could well, see him doing I don't that, too. I don't think they're going to do that if they're keeping Jeff around, honestly, because then Jeff is just going to sandbag and not fucking want to do anything that they want him to do, and he'll just sit the contract out. So they're in a weird situation because it's not like Matt and Jeff aren't close. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, worst case scenario, Vince gets pissed. I I mean, his contract's up in, what, March? So we're going to be right at the AEW pay-per-view. I want to say, yeah. So I, I don't. It just depends on when that contract's out. Obviously, he doesn't want him showing up on AEW's pay per view. Hopefully not, man. I. It seems like they've been a little bit better on releasing people, and and Matt went about it the right way. He was there. He did the jobs that Vince asked him to do. He even did the backstage uh, role for a little bit there as a road agent. I just. Uh, Man, I I could easily see it, but I I hope they don't go that route, and and I don't think they will, especially if they're planning on building anything with Jeff at all, whether it's NXT or just one big Mania match, uh, just because they need to keep him happy for that shit to go well. I mean, he could go in there and just be like, I don't give a fuck, Jeff, 
and <laughs> do like the laziest matches ever if uh, if they want to go that route. So I, I just it's one of those things where they have to tread lightly just because of the way it is. I mean, they could just not use Jeff, I guess. That's the other thing, and release Matt. I guess if they release Matt, that would be my expectation, is they just won't use Jeff, but they'll hold him under contract until he's gone, which, once again, I could also see them doing. It just it doesn't make sense to do that from a business sense when they're kind of going after the same talent, and in some situations, you might have legends going both ways at some at some point like some people leaving AEW and possibly coming to WWE or vice versa. And you look around uh, with some talent that'll be released from contracts soon. It's not a good look. And they're trying to sign as many people as they can. And when you see a legend like Jeff and Matt Hardy put into a bad situation like that, it stands out a lot more than Luke Harper. And it's going to get much more traction. And you're going to have Rebby Hardy screaming from the fucking mountaintops if anything like that happens, can you even imagine the amount of tweets she'll have? Oh, she'll make her own satellite to fucking put a, an image on, on some part of, like, the Grand Canyon uh, forever. Um, <laughs> no, I don't uh, think she has Rebby's capabilities ride. of doing that. I don't know, man. She's got Senior Benjamin. Anything's possible. Revy's ride or die, man. She is ride or die. You know who else is ride or die? Cody Rhodes. And Cody Rhodes is on the Wrestling Observer and uh, basically said that they do have plans uh, for a secondary title. Uh, what, he, what he said specifically was, I think we have an idea that's different than anything that's been done, and I would just hope that everyone remains patient. They're yearning, their lust for that type of belt, some championship, I think will be uh, – Stated in 2020, again, I'm not saying there's a mid-card title because if I was to say that there's a mid-card title coming up in AEW, Nick Jackson would super kick my skull clean off my head. We're moving slow. It's something that the EVPs all have to agree on, but there is a really great idea in uh, being made. There is a great idea out there. Hopefully something that maybe will come along with a third hour news that kind of becomes more prominent. So interesting. Um, Don't know exactly what hasn't been done. Uh, It makes me think, Chris, instead of going for a traditional second, you know, belt, if you will, like an intercontinental TV, U.S., all those things. It's going to be something maybe like on the lines of an X division where you can do something with it to upgrade or I forgot what the one in uh, Lucha Underground that they had, uh, the the Gift of the Gods championship, like something that's, I don't know. I I was honestly, especially now that I'm starting to realize that they're building a pretty thick heavyweight division of just having two belts and like New Japan where it's that there's, you know, Chris Jericho's belt's the heavyweight belt, and then they have the light heavyweight belt. And you can just do it like that, but it sounds like they're going a very different route. Very fascinating. I just hope that the belt itself has value so that people want to, you know, we want to root for someone to have this belt. And it's not just something there, kind of like what the ones on WWE have become, where, you know, it's a transitional thing or it's a prop, you know? Yeah, I, I I guess my only thing is is 
saying something that's never been done in wrestling before draws a lot of questions because pretty much everything's been done at some point. Um, as far as titles go, I guess they could try to do like a never open weight title. And then that would just be your heavyweight title. But then you're still basically at that point, you're creating a mid card, even if you don't mean to. And then if you go the other route where it's like, well, no, anyone can challenge for it. Then it becomes like when abyss won the X division title. So it's one of those weird situations. If it's me, and kind of what I think they're going to do, especially that interview happened on Wrestling Observer, and they've, they've actually talked about this in the past. It makes the most sense to have a TV title that has to be defended on TV each week, whether it's on Dark, whether it's on this new hour programming they have, or whether it's on the two-hour show. Um, you just have a TV title, and you, you elevate that title by having it on TV and having that match every week. Um, that to me makes the most sense. The only other thing I could think of is it's not actually a title. It's something more like the G1, but they've kind of already done that with the, what was it the kiss the ring or whatever the ring, the ring of honor gimmick they did, which is another thing they said that we hadn't seen in wrestling, but like totally have. So <laughs> I would assume it's just going to be a TV title, man, not to be pessimistic, but that's my guess. I hope it's a new version of the million dollar belt. I think that would be uh, perfect. I'm just kidding. Whatever it is, I just I, I, I think they need it. I think that they definitely – and you don't want to call it mid-card. That's why I, I suggested – I, I even like – all right, fine. You know, Chris Jericho is the AEW champion. They just start calling it the AEW uh, heavyweight champion. Then they have the light heavyweight. And then if they want to do a never open weight for all divisions, you have that option. But if you have the heavyweight and the light heavyweight, they're both prestigious. There's not a difference between them. You know, they're just for two different weight divisions. So, I don't know. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting, uh, nonetheless, to find out what exactly they do. I hope it's a TV title. I like that idea, Chris. Um, yeah, because I think with it, with, a, with it being called a TV title, it eliminates the weight class thing. That's the biggest – as soon as you throw a weight yes. class in there – you just start penciling guys in for that class. It was the same thing with cruiserweights, right? And like Seth is like 205 himself, but he gets to go after the heavyweight title. But someone like Cedric Alexander can only wrestle against other cruiserweights. That's like the kind of shit that I would want to avoid. And like I said, would never open weight. Then it gets weird because then you just get matches thrown together where it's like massive dudes like Luchasaurus versus like Marco stunt. Like it, it's just to me, you do a TV title. Anyone can challenge for it. You don't put a weight class on it. You have them defended each week on TV. And then, you know, you could even from that, if you have a guy that's just winning week after week after week, you can build that up to a title versus title match. You can give an undefeated streak, which wins and losses as they show on screen are, are supposed to matter. And they do have rankings. I think that's a better way to go about it. Um, and if he's, if, if that's what he means by it being different is you have to basically that guy becomes a gatekeeper for the heavyweight title. You could go that route. It's just, uh, I don't know. It, it's weird when you say it's something you've never seen before. So hopefully it's not something really crazy. Like it's a three man tag team championship. <laughs> was like, well, we've seen that. I hope it's not something like it's faction versus faction title. Uh, hopefully it's something singles based. Well, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see to find out what that one's going to be like. Um, here's a pretty uh, interesting thing. So the the Friday on SmackDown uh, after Super Showdown or whatever the fuck Saudi Arabia show they have, uh, where we're going to find out the results of Goldberg versus the Fiend. Which honestly, beforehand, 
I was very much one way. And now I'm kind of wondering if this is going to be a way for them to get the title off the Fiend to put him in another program with someone else. Now he really doesn't need a title. And then you do what I would assume is like that dream match between Roman Reigns and Goldberg. Funny thing is Roman Reigns commented on that uh, recently and said he'd prefer to go against if, – if he were to be in the main event – he would, and if he wins Elimination Chamber, he would prefer to go against the Fiend because Bray's worked his ass off, and no offense to Goldberg, but basically the part-timer thing, which I found kind of interesting. Uh, but with John Cena, he's going to come the next Friday and show up, and, you know, it could be just him promoting something, but he just got a bunch of movies done and recorded. I don't think he has any that are, he's filming in schedule. He's been saying, even though I've been mocking it, that he wants to do something for WrestleMania, have a match. And uh, it looks like, from what this is making it sound like, that he's going to come out and maybe make a challenge to someone. And it's a rumor. It's a big, big rumor. But rumor has it, he wants to work with the Velveteen Dream because, like in the past, he said that he sees him as a star, so he wants to put him over or something to that level. So who knows if that's going to happen. Like I said, that is a major, major rumor. But either way, John Cena is probably going to be at Mania, I'm assuming. I don't think they're just going to have him out there for the hell of it. Unless he's promoting, that could be it too. But I would assume this is bigger. Chris, what do you think they're going to do with Cena? What is he going to say on SmackDown after Super Showdown? Do you think he's going to go after the title, try to get that next notch to try to beat Nate? What exactly? Christopher, I think you're on mute, sir. Hello? Oh, no, what happened? Oh, you're back. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, sorry. My phone actually took a shit and I had to call back in, so I probably got stuck in the queue there. Um, so, did my you, assumption you of which... Yeah, I did hear the question. I could hear you. Uh, so my my uh, my assumption of what they do and what I would probably do if I was them is Daniel Bryan versus John Cena. You build it off like kind of the Bella angle. You do John Cena versus Daniel Bryan. It's a good match. Everyone feels happy. You can still do Reigns versus Bray because John's leaving after I don't think he's sticking around. Or you go the opposite route and you have Goldberg beat The Fiend which I, I think is a terrible idea. Um, and then you do Reigns versus Goldberg, I guess, or Cena versus Goldberg. It's just a weird thing because it's it's a title match, right? In Saudi Arabia, yes, it's a title match. Yeah, so it's almost like Bray has to win or you have to have Undertaker come out or you have to have a surprise or something. So to me, yeah, you go Daniel Bryan versus John Cena. Why not? I love the Velveteen Dream thing. It's just they just put him into a, a feud again. Like he's feuding with all of Undisputed Air, and I'm assuming that's going to carry out through Mania. Yeah, it could. I mean, his blow-off match with Roger Strong's next week, so I'm wondering what's going to happen post that. So it's either this could be the possibility, and they're planning on getting him out of that, or he's going to be going for either Tommaso Ciampa or Adam Cole for the championship leading up to Mania at the next takeover. 
Um, but interesting stuff. I, I love your idea, Daniel I like Bryan. I, 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 think, I will. I think. I will. I will say. Oh, sorry. I, I will say this, Dane. I think it was dumb of them to book the Saudi Arabia show before Helen or not Helen Cell, but Elimination Chamber. Because then, if you wanted Way to do the Goldberg Bray thing, huh? Way too many pay per views before Mania. Yeah, and I think if you were if you did the Elimination Chamber first, and you still wanted to do that big Goldberg match with Bray, then at least you you can get the title off Bray beforehand. Like they easily could have put it on Brian because they had that feud, so they could have just done that. So now they've kind of booked themselves in a weird way where I have no idea what's happening. I'm I'm assuming it's going to be Reigns versus Bray, Cena versus Brian. That's that would be my guess. Yeah, and then there's also, he said it recently, and maybe if, if Roman's not the guy to go for the title, we could have Roman versus John Cena 3 at WrestleMania. So it'll be interesting. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Cena come back, man. I definitely have to say that. I don't give a shit to the haters. I actually miss John Cena, so it'll be good to see him back. Um, here's a pretty pretty cool last story, Chris, um, for us to talk about, but... I don't know if this is 100% official. I'm pretty sure part of it is. But apparently we know uh, from what Wrestling Votes has reported, at least, uh, some more members of this year's, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, WWE Hall of Fame, along with the headline Batista and then the New World Order. Uh, apparently, they're, ha- they're going to have the Bella Twins in, and I have no problem with that. I'm sure a lot of fucking people are pissed off and shit like that. you got to realize that outside of the fact that Nikki Bella is very underrated when it comes to people give her shit, and I've seen her put on some pretty damn good matches. Brie, I'm not as well-versed with. The, I know about the bot shit that she, when she came back and she fucked up that one time, so that kind of highlights it. But these ladies have been at it for a long time. Yes, they are from the, the, the Divas era, but I would say at least Nikki's in-ring style you know, is a kind of a transitional concept. Uh, they were big entertainment pieces for, for WWE for years. And I'm sorry, but Total Bellas helps out with the WWE product. It, it brought a lot of eyes where eyes would not be. They're both pregnant. I think it will be cute when they get inducted. They'll probably get all emotional. And I'm, I'm for it. I really I have no problem. I know they're both not coming back. One is, you know, John Cena's ex, but, like, one is legitimately Daniel Bryan's wife and baby mama, and uh, I, I think I think it'll be nice, not that big of a deal, but I'm sure a lot of people are fucking furious about it because they don't find them worthy. But my, my favorite one, if this is true, Chris, Juice Thunder Liger, who just had his 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 last year with New Japan, he retired. It looks like uh, they've they've reached out to him, and I would assume it's probably Triple H based, due to the fact that he you know had involvement with uh, Juice coming over that one time to fight Tyler Breeze. And NXT, but even though he was essential in WCW, didn't really have a lot of interaction at all besides that with WWE, I mean, the amount of influence, I mean, I've always said that, like, Jushin Liger and Great Muda, as far as influence of modern wrestlers, they're kind of like uh, Japan's Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, you know, in a way, um, and I really feel like he deserves it, he's influenced so many of the fucking wrestlers today, I mean, you look at the double stops from the top ropes on the people. You look at that brain buster that he does. I could see Finn Balor uh, inducting him because apparently he's friends with him and he learned a lot from him. 
or or someone else, but either way, definitely deserving. I don't think I saw some people saying, "Oh, is WWE trying to acknowledge Jushin Liger after his retirement run at and New Japan?" It's like, why why is that a problem? <laughs> he he finished his career in New Japan. He did everything he wanted to do, and now WWE wants to celebrate his career, you know, and and put him in 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 the American WWE Wrestling Hall of Fame. I think that's actually kind of awesome. So. If that happens, I'm very happy about that. And so far, I'm pretty happy with the class. Uh, Chris, what do you think about especially Jushin Thunder Liger possibly joining this year's uh, WWE Hall of Fame? Yeah, I like it all around, man. I, I really like the fact the Bellas are getting inducted because if you think about what we have left to induct for female wrestlers in WWE, they've kind of hit all the big ones. The Bellas are kind of the last ones unless they just start inducting people that are more recently – that are maybe retiring in the next five years or so. And they've been trying to do like a woman or a female athlete seems like once a year for the past five, six years, which I think makes a lot of sense. But they're going to start running out of people uh, just because of the way they treated the women's division. Like if, if you want to get mad about something, when Kelly Kelly gets inducted, then we can be all up in arms. Uh, but it's the WWE Hall of Fame. It's not like it's not like based on work rate. It's not. It's kind of just whatever WWE wants to do. So I don't have a problem with that at all. I think that's kind of good. I would have almost gave them their own separate stage um, and inducted them kind of separately, maybe a year apart. Muda, I think it's a great move. They have a uh, they have an international wing already for. New Japan and all Japan wrestlers. I'm not surprised that they'd want to do this uh, after his comeback. I think it's actually kind of cool. He worked with NXT, obviously. It was in WCW. To me, the guy you have inducted him, though, is Sting. Because you get the big name of Sting. His American work is most, co- like, yeah, I, I would say, like, you know, well, I'm trying to think here. Who would Wait, I have did you inducted? Thunder Liger? No, I was thinking of Muda because you were bringing up Muda earlier. Um, hmm, I don't know who you would have inducted. I, I, who did you say again? I Finn? thought Finn Balor because I know that Finn's a huge. He's the reason why Jushin came over for that NXT thing. Um, so I guess then they have a relationship. I don't know. I it sucks because I, if you go by that concept, I mean you'd want probably Brian Pillman because they had in in America. Oh, no, Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio is good friends with Juicin Thunderliger and respects the fuck out of him. Yeah, I think that would probably be good. Uh, Finn would be great, too. I, either of those guys. For some reason, I was thinking about uh, when, when you brought up Muda earlier, I just had that match stuck in my head with King and Muda. And then I sub, uh, I guess my brain put that together like I was reading a sentence in reverse. Um, is Muda in the Hall of Fame? That's actually a good question. I'm checking right now, actually. I'm I'm curious about that myself. Because if he's not and you're inducting Jish and Thunderliker, I would assume that Muda is next. Uh, if you're doing international stars, I would, you know, at that point, yes, definitely have you should have Sting do it. Yeah, it just kind of sucks because most of his, to me, his most memorable matches for sure in America was early WCW against Brian Pillman, and obviously they can't do that. So, yeah, Finn Balor makes a lot of sense. I'm okay with that. If they're friends. Or whatever. I mean, he could even have one of his family members induct him if he wanted to go that route, or, or one of his students that he trained. I mean, there's lots of it's ways to nice, go about that. 
it's a nice icing on the cake for Jushin Liger for this year to have do what he wanted to do and finish the way he wanted to in New Japan. And then on top of that, WWE, which doesn't really have to associate him if they don't want to, but just knows his influence, they want to put him in the fucking Hall of Fame too. It just he deserves it, man. He's he's that uh, big to the to the industry and influential. Now, yeah, and I think the one thing that would piss me off is if they do handle it like they normally handle the international wing and they just go and inducted this year and it's a list of like four or five dudes and it's just like injustin thunder liger and then they don't give him any kind of speech or anything i feel like that's very disrespectful to one of the greatest of all time um and that would super piss me off and damn muda has not been uh inducted in the hall of fame he definitely needs to Apparently, uh, wow, I, I just found a list on one of these awesome, the Sportster. Apparently, Brian Pillman even has not been inducted in the Hall of Fame. It's crazy. We just met, or mentioned him. Well, now we know who needs to be in there next year. Uh, let's go to, all right, so, I mean, we can talk about this. I kind of want to talk about this, but it's kind of a spoiler. Did you want to talk about the uh, accidental leak of the uh, the Elimination Chamber match? Like, who's going to be the participants in that, Chris? Yeah, we can talk about it just because WWE leaks from cities never really mean anything because Vince just changes shit whenever yeah. he wants. So I'm, I'm fine with talking about it. Okay, so really quickly, um, that's completely true because, you know, that happened last year with Kofi and uh, Mustafa Ali. So anything subject to change, obviously. But uh, what as of right now, we have Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, Daniel Bryan, Shinsuke Nakamura, Baron Corbin and Robert Roode. Uh, interesting. Uh, so it's like, so then you got to think, all right, either Goldberg, if this is true, either Goldberg or Bray against one of these guys for the championship. And um, I mean, obvi- I, I think it's kind of obvious that Roman would be inevitably the winner, but the fact they decided to put Daniel Bryan, I like that Bobby Roode's in it. He's probably going to get the first pin, but it's nice they're utilizing him in some way. Same thing with Shinsuke, but I would honestly think that either either Roman Reigns is going to win to go against Bray, who beats Goldberg, or Daniel Bryan is going to win to go against Bray to beat him possibly at Mania. Uh, what would you think, Chris? So the Elimination Chamber match is is for number overall like number one contender this year. The champion's not in the match. Yeah, it's for number one contender. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, I just assume Roman Bray retains, and you do Roman versus Bray. I still think that's the general path. Uh, it is weird to see Bobby there. I wouldn't be surprised if they shuffle him out or something. Uh, just because, like him and Corbin, maybe they did that so him and Corbin can work together as kind of a unit or what or whatever. But uh, uh, man, I'm not a huge fan of the title not being on the line in a match where the title is always on the line. I don't like that shuffle. I guess that's a protect that's protecting Bray. So I'm assuming that he, if that is indeed the match lineup, I'm assuming that he wins a Super Showdown. Yep. All right. Uh, real quick before we go into uh, the main topics of the reviews for the shows, New Japan had a show uh, this last weekend. I wanted to talk to you specifically. Let's talk about the last two matches. I will say that. The last four matches were awesome. Uh, I would definitely go back and watch them. The third to last match between Takahashi 
uh, Hiromu Takahashi and uh, Ryu um, uh, Ryu uh, Dra- Dragon Lee Ryu Lee uh, for the light heavyweight championship was brutal. It was gnarly. They're not. He, he's not going to slow down. He doesn't care. That's how Hiromu is. Uh, they did a lot of shit that scared the fuck out of me. They spent a, almost ten minutes just chopping each other, just continuously. It was brutal. But last two matches. Uh, the fact that Naito beat Kenta, it looks like he's moving on. He challenges Hiromu at the end of it uh, for the student versus teacher thing, kind of similar to, you know, you do that with the light heavyweight and the heavyweight champion. They did that with uh, Will Ospreay and Okada. This is something they do traditionally. But come the fuck on. You have modern Terry Funk versus modern Roddy Roddy Piper type of mix-up of a fucking crazy-ass brawl between John Moxley and Minoru Suzuki, and I've never seen a man smile so many damn times after receiving such pain. Uh, these guys kicked the living fuck out of each other. Like I, 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 I can't believe, especially Minoru Suzuki. He's he's getting up there in age, man. He's not like you know a, a, a baby. And at certain points, I think he kind of pissed off Moxley because he was stiffing the hell out of him, and Moxley was like telling him to bring it, you know, but. It was getting it was getting pretty violent, pretty aggressive, quite a few table shots, and even at the end, after taking two death riders, the only person to to, to you know get out of a death rider, uh, Minoru Suzuki laughing and happy maniacally, like he just won something. I thought it was great. I loved that at the beginning of it how John Moxley just was at the front and told Minoru Suzuki to come on. And then Minoru Suzuki grabs two chairs, obliges, throws one to Moxley, and they start doing a lightsaber battle with fucking steel chairs. There was a part where Moxley broke, and I'm assuming it was gimmicks, broke a chair over his head, you know, just clean off, basically. I mean, you know, John Moxley had the uh, the, the Pillman spot where he got his arm broken, uh, apparently through that, was selling pretty well through it. It sucked. His eye patch got ripped off. He wasn't wearing that gimmick uh, uh, contact like he did uh, before that, kind of like the Jake Snake Roberts blinded contact thing. Uh, but, damn, man, the, the match between Hiromu Takahashi and Ryu Lee and then this one, they were two sets of craziness, two brutal-ass matches, and then you had an awesome match at the end of it. Uh, with with Naito and Kenta, and I thought Kenta did a great job being a dastardly heel. Him and Jay White are hated there, uh, and I, I really think that Gato is one of the best modern heel, um, whatchamacallit, managers. I think he does a great job every time uh, when he's being utilized in that way, and I thought it was a pretty hard-hitting match, and I was glad, obviously, I, I didn't expect any other thing, Naito to win, but awesome that we're going to see the IWGP Heavyweight Champion and IWGP uh, Intercontinental Champion, Tetsuya Naito, go against his protege, um, Hiromu Takahashi, the IWGP Light Heavyweight Champion. What do you think about these uh, these last couple matches on the show for New Japan this last Sunday? So, or I should say so Saturday, Taka- but I watched it Sunday. Yeah, so the Takahashi match, I haven't made it all the way through. I did watch the highlight clips. Uh, as expected, they're absolutely insane. Um, the one spot where I, they set they the guy was set up on the post 
uh, I think it was Takahashi that took the big dive and, and splashed on him, and Dragon Lee almost looked like he landed on his fucking head. That shit was crazy. I liked the tease of that move the entire time that kind of hurt Hiromu's neck. I thought that built drama to the match, much like what they did kind of with Edge and Orton um, a few weeks back on Raw. I, I So the highlights and stuff I saw of it was good. I'll, I'll try to give a full review next show we do of it because I need to go back and watch it. Uh, the Moxley-Suzuki match, I think you pretty much hit everything that I loved about it. I mean, it was just two horses beating the shit out of each other. I love the selling that Minora had at the very end. Um, he's smiling, telling Moxley to come on. Moxley hits him with two giant lariats. I mean, he Stan Hansen's his ass with these lariats. And Minora gets up, and he's still smiling, and he starts doing the Terry Funk kind of like leg wobble a little bit, and then catches two Death Riders. Moxley gets the pin, and you still get smiling, crazy, maniacal Minora Suzuki. And Minora Suzuki is fucking phenomenal. I think he could have done a better job of selling that. I loved it. Um, the chair spot you mentioned was awesome. That's the thing they do in New Japan with a gimmick chair, like you said. Uh, that you don't see very often, but it's just such a great visual to watch that the seat part of that chair just go fucking flying in the air. Uh, <laughs> it's awesome. Um, Moxley was great here. Moxley in um, Japan, I think, has done way better than people expected. And I, I like what you said, you know, Roddy Piper, Terry Funk. I, I would say this is about as close as you could get to like a Bruiser Burby, Terry Funk match. You know, if you if you're looking at Japan wrestlers, I. I think this is about as close as you could get in the modern era. And uh, it was absolutely phenomenal. Delivered on everything I wanted to see. And uh, it kind of set up a neat match coming out of it, which I don't know if you – I didn't think you talked about this, but Moxley's kind of calling out Zack Sabre Jr., which is completely different. We're going to get a completely different style Moxley match the next one. So Yeah, that that's be interesting. Really- that's going to be really awesome. I mean, they're going to have a good match for sure. It's just going to be – it's way different than what Moxley uh, just did. So that guy just continues to kind of change things up a little bit. And uh, he did great in the G1, so I'm looking forward to seeing what him and Zach can do because I think that's going to be an incredible match as well. So good on Moxley for just succeeding everywhere he goes except <laughs> except for the WWE, I guess. <laughs> Definitely feels like they missed the fucking boat on that guy. Um as we've talked God about, damn. but uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I loved that match. I thought it was it was my favorite match of the night, and uh, the reason being is the um, the main event just had a real slow pacing at the beginning of it. For the first like six or seven minutes, it was just kind of a nothing happening match, and then once Gato started getting involved, and, and Kenta was it was more healed and get the ref bump, and the, and the fans kind of got behind it. Then, um, you know, the entire time I did think like they're not going to take the belts off Naito this quick. They got to give him a little bit of a run. Um, I, I liked the finish and I liked the call out afterwards. I liked the, the student versus teacher, as you said, I think that's great. I thought, it, I thought it ended up being a better match than I expected about midway through. Um, and part of this, I think is a little bit Okada syndrome. <laughs> you know, like Okada had the title. You're going to get like a 30, 40 minute match. It's going to be fucking phenomenal. Uh, the whole way through, and this was, it started out a little slower pace, and I think Naito is still a little broken a little bit, like beat, beaten down. So it's, it's the Takahashi match is interesting because I think it's a different dynamic than obviously Kenta, and uh, should be very, very great. Um, the thing that, I, the one thing that stood out to me about Kenta is like how much like Daniel Bryan kind of took from Kenta 
I don't know if you noticed this while you were watching this match, but there's a lot of just things that Daniel does that Kenta does as well that just lined up together. I didn't watch a lot of early Kenta, but um, the more and more I've watched of him in New Japan, now that he's kind of able to wrestle more of his original style, you start seeing some of that stuff bleed through with, with some of the comparisons we've heard in the past with Daniel Bryan and CM Punk for sure. Yeah, man, and, you know, now that it's in my head, so I don't forget this, uh, you know, later on, but next week we're going to have a really weird concept because we have Jeff Cobb, who's still, he he's not in contract as a free agent. He's probably going to be signing most likely full-time with AEW once he's done with his dates for Ring of Honor in New Japan, but technically he's kind of a Ring of Honor employee, if you will, because he's doing more dates with them over anyone, and he's going against John Moxley, who is a New Japan champion on an AEW show. This is the strangest concept. Uh, not as strange, but since Mike Awesome defended the fucking ECW championship to Taz, who was working for WWE while Mike Awesome was working for WCW. Yeah, it, it is a bit weird. Um, yeah, well, I'll wait till we get into that to talk about that, but... Uh... That's a, that's a big get, and I think they, they kind of needed somewhat of that presence in the inner circle, almost. So, uh, yeah, when we get into that, I'll definitely give some more details on Jeff Cobb, but yeah. All right, well, let's, uh, let's, let's at least start talking about, let's go through some of the highlights on Raw. This is where I just, like, skim through it, and what we decide to talk about, we decide to talk about. Uh... Raw has been actually pretty good lately. Um, <laughs> you know, it was the same opening, same thing, which I'm kind of getting sick of, even though I like all the guys involved, and I really like Seth Rollins and this new Monday Night Messiah thing, but it was Seth Rollins and AOP and Buddy – oh, I'm sorry, Murphy, uh, getting interrupted by Kevin Owens and the Viking Raiders – uh, this all ended up with a brawl where the Viking Raiders and Kevin Owens uh, stormed the ring, and out of nowhere, Samoa Joe appeared and started choking the shit out of um, Seth Rollins. So, no, he's not injured, or n- yes, he's done with his injury, and no, he's not getting suspended for steroids or whatever the fuck that whole entire thing was. Um, to set up an eight-man match, I think we've seen <laughs> a fucking million times uh, later on. My Was there... Was, was there a fucking rumor on Joe getting suspended for steroids? Something like that. It was it was his wellness policy that he yeah it was oh all bullshit. Yeah, yeah, sounds that way. But I uh, I love this Raw Women's Championship match. I thought this was a great match with Oscar uh, and Becky Lynch. I thought they beat the living hell out of each other. I think it's weird how Becky's now adapting the rock bottom as of uh, one of her finishers. But honestly, when you have you know when you have a submission finisher, you kind of need something else like a power move. And I, it, it works out with her, but uh, you know, if, if Miss Simone Johnson wants to use that damn move, Becky better, you know, she better get her fucking shit together. I'm just kidding. Uh, but it was an awesome match. And then I'm, I'm, I'm messaging Chris and I don't even think you were watching live at the time. And I was like, I am so like, this match is fucking awesome. They're doing a great job. You know, I'm really impressed making both ladies look good, you know, Oscar's amazing, This is, but Becky's really performing well, too, and then two seconds later, I'm, I'm like, what the fuck is going on, because they have Shayna Baszler, 
attacked the shit out of Becky from behind. And she comes, takes out her mouth guard, and takes a giant chunk, apparently, out of Becky's uh, neck. Now, that's what they want us to believe. And the reason why I say giant chunk is because the fucking blood capsule that they used had to have been the size of fucking, you know, a finger or something like that because there was just blood all over Shayna's face. It looked a bit ridiculous. EMTs came, Baszler fled, and this kind of led to Becky Lynch not wanting medical attention, them wanting to work on her, her trying to be a tough ass, stuff that I did like. Uh, and then her stealing the ambulance to drive herself to the fucking hospital because she doesn't need anyone else's help. And then coming back later on just to cut a promo after she got her work done. Uh, besides the hokey blood spot, it, it, it was interesting. But what did you think about this match, Chris, with Asuka? Kind of ending that feud a little bit. And also the Shayna Baszler Gangrel segment afterwards. I don't think I needed a follow-up on Becky Lynch and Asuka after Becky finally got her win. I, I think they should have just moved past that because her beating Asuka clean kind of didn't really do much for me. I know they were trying to show off. I mean, I'm assuming the reason they're giving Becky Lynch a power move is because they're putting her against Shayna, who also is more of a submission wrestler, right? So you don't want to have that. But didn't Becky have something like a Bexploder or I felt like she had an additional move that she could possibly get a pin out of. I'm not a fan of her using the rock bottoms, what I'm getting at. Or the manhandle slam, I'm assuming, <laughs> is what they'll end up calling it. Um, the Shayna Baszler bit. So the bite thing, okay, it's whatever. They could have used better blood. They could have gimmicked it more. I think if you were going to do it, you could have done it kind of in the dark and maybe actually use fucking they didn't have Tom Savini do <laughs> Bray Wyatt's mask so if you want to do this gimmick hire Tom Savini I'm sure he could have came up with something that looked better on TV like they could have done that so as hokey as that was that's not my big problem with this the problem is, is like one how the fuck did Becky get to the arena to begin with two why did she need to steal an ambulance Three, when she stole an ambulance, went to the hospital, why did she come back in the same fucking ambulance? Like, I get they're going for the rock thing, but like, or the, not the rock, but the Steve Austin thing, but it's not. Like, Steve Austin stole a beer truck, or maybe borrowed a beer truck, or drove a truck over other shit. But that's all, like, things that it, he just always showed up in. It's not like he stole it, drove away back to where it belonged, and then came back <laughs> in the same thing. I agree. And they they did the same fucking gimmick with Dean Ambrose, and I buried it, like, what, three years ago? I buried the same fucking thing with Dean Ambrose in the ambulance. So this isn't the first time that they've done this, but it's stupid. It doesn't fucking work. It's And then she was just fine. It's like... <laughs> they didn't even have her neck, like, wrapped, really, like... It, it looked like she bit a chunk, like Holyfield's ear, basically. You know what I mean? That's what I expected happened to her based on the amount of blood, like you said. It's just – it was fucking terrible. And whatever, if they're going to make Shayna a biter, I get it. Fine. Just do the bite angle and then have her go to the back and go off to the hospital and not come back the rest of the show. That's fine. I don't think it matters. Becky doesn't – she's or, more of a Conor hey. McGregor than a Stone Cold. 
Like, if, book her like if for some reason you make her go to the hospital and she comes back, if you do that thing, have Shaner there so that she goes and attacks her. So there's a fucking reason. Not why the fuck did she come back to the building just to say a promo to no one? Like, <laughs> yeah, didn't make that's, a goddamn that's also sense. true. I forgot that I guess Shayna was already gone at that point. And and I just don't get it. Like I said, how how the fuck did she get to the arena? We all know that her and Seth are in a relationship because you crammed it down her throats for four months. Why wasn't he concerned? Why didn't he offer her a ride to the just some of the fucking just anything logical that you could think of? They threw out of the window and just had Becky Lynch uh, commit, I guess, multiple crimes because she stole it, drove it there, and then stole it again and drove it back to the arena. I mean, I guess she returned it at the end of the day, but like she's not a fucking police officer. She can't. She's not an FBI agent, as Keanu Reeves would say. She can't just commandeer vehicles and shit. I don't know, man. I think that Gangrel should start managing Shayna. I think that the start a new brood. Uh, Alistair Black can join. All right, anyways, let's move on. I'm just going to go over these segments because a lot of them are not really worth talking too much on. Uh, Street Profits beat Mojo Raleigh and Riddick Moss, and then Riddick Moss screwed over Mojo Raleigh and won the 24-7 championship. Uh, apparently MVP, even though he's done wrestling, he's going to be doing these VIP lounge segments again. So uh, he's a heel uh, because he basically pissed off Drew, asking him if, you know, kind of be like, hey, I can be your Paul Heyman, you know, and help you out. And that ended up just Drew McIntyre, you know, doing the Claymore to uh, MVP, who saw like a motherfucker and completely like knocked out both couches. It was pretty good. Uh, Angel Garza defeated Cedric Alexander. Uh, you know, Humberto Carrillo came out and charged him. Once I was under control, Garza was able to defeat Alexander. Alexander is now an afterthought, just like several other people in this man's eyes, unfortunately. We have Rhea Ripley, who pissed off Sarah Logan, uh, who just got mad at Charlotte for coming into her home and disrespecting her people, did the exact same thing on Raw to Sarah Logan. Uh, and then Sarah Logan calls her out, Rhea beats her, and then asks Charlotte what her answer was. We still don't have that. Ricochet defeated Bobby Lashley with the 6.30 sent on, so it's going to be Ricochet uh, going against – oh, I think that's already established, but he beat Bobby Lashley again, so really good for him. We already talked about the Randy Orton-Matt Hardy thing. Uh, Alistair Black defeated Akira Tozawa. Talked about Becky returning, and then the, the they had another four-man – Four versus four match. This time, Seth Rollins, Buddy Murphy, and AOP won, and I'm pretty sure they fucking win every single time. Hey, Paul Heyman, get more creative, you fucking penguin. Anyways, Chris, do you have any comments from anything at all? And if you don't, don't feel bad. It's not a big deal. I loved him MVP selling. I just don't know why they needed to claim more kick his head off when he was – he basically kind of came back as a baby face, and they tried to turn him heel in one segment. Uh, it just – Whatever, it was fine. I did like him going ass over tea kettle on the couch, so there's that. People are into Drew McIntyre, so that's that's good for WWE. Angel Garza, absolutely love him. I thought that was a good little match. Um, it does suck to see Cedric Alexander just get thrown to the bottom, but, you know, whatever Vince is just done, I guess. Uh, Rhea Ripley just beating the shit out of Sarah Logan, like, I forgot Sarah Logan was on the roster, and I don't mean that in a mean way. I, I think this is the first time I remember seeing her in months. Like, was she even in the Royal Rumble? Yes. 
<laughs> that was a very question questionable yes there, Dane. <laughs> I'll take your word for it on that one, but I just don't like they just done nothing with her. That's not really her fault, but it it is what it is, right? So Rhea beating her, not a big deal. Obviously that just builds to Charlotte versus uh Rhea down down the line. So I I was fine with that. Ricochet beating Bobby Lashley, fine. So it's him versus Randy who I'm assuming Randy is going to win. Or Brock. Uh, just be- oh, it's Ricochet versus Brock. That's right. Ricochet versus Brock. I'm assuming Brock is going to win. Um, and obviously, Randy's gimmick is just going to be Edge up till Mania. Like, I don't see anything else happening there. Um, then the squash, right, with Alistair and Akira. And then, like you said, yeah, just the same booking of these four versus each other at the end with Seth, Buddy, AOP versus Kevin Owens, Mojo, and the Raiders, as Chris, I like to call them, what, for the experience. You know, I'm, I'm not worried about the Raiders and AOP so much, but, like, what the fuck are they doing with Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, and Samoa Joe mainly at WrestleMania? Like, is it going to be Buddy and, and Seth versus the two of them when they hang out with two actual tag teams? It's fucking weird. I have no idea if they're just going to keep on doing this shit until Mania. So, here's a question. Raw just doesn't have an Elimination Chamber match? I guess not. I think they're doing... It's making it sound like one of the side... SmackDown's getting the men's side, and then either SmackDown or uh, Raw's women's division will be having the other Elimination Chamber match. I don't think it's been established yet. Yeah, I think you just smashed this feud at the Elimination Chamber. It's got to be SmackDown, actually. Sorry, I, I didn't mean yeah. to cut you off, but now that I'm thinking about it, because if Rhea Ripley and Charlotte are going against each other and it looks like it's going to be Shayna Baszler and Becky, that means that no one's going against Bailey yet, so Elimination Chamber is going to be all SmackDown for the number one contenders for uh, WrestleMania. Yeah, I have no idea where they're going with this storyline, but Kevin Owens is fucking awesome, and so is Samoa Joe, so at least we're getting some good matches out of it. And, I mean, I guess the build is that Joe actually tapped out Murphy, so maybe that'll be its own little match, and then Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins will be it. It's just going to split into four matches, right? The problem is, is like, when you start looking across the, the landscape of, in fact, WrestleMania is right around the corner, this is just like, it's just going to end up on a fucking pre-show. I know. Like, who's Alistair Black going to go? There's so many fucking questions for Mania. I I mean, I feel like Alistair is just going to end up in the fucking Battle Royal thing. (laughs) Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. I guess they could give him something there. And and that could possibly happen. I could definitely see that. What if they actually have, because they're more marquee names, you have Seth Rollins and Buddy against Kevin Owens and Samojo for the titles, and somehow AOP and the Viking Raiders are in the fucking Battle Royal. The actual tag teams. <laughs> that would be uh, that would be incredible. I mean, at least with Seth and Kevin, I feel like they'll get a spot on the actual show, but, man, the rest of these guys, they're to me, that's just going to be thrown into a prelim somewhere. Ugh. Well, you know. We don't know yet, but it's uh, it's pretty interesting. But that was Monday Night Raw. Let's go over into Wednesday because this is our favorite night, man. I mean, I love watching both shows so much. And we'll go to AEW first. Uh, it started off with an awesome tag team match. We had Kenny Omega and Hangman Page going against SCU. 
Good match back and forth. Uh, more with dissension between Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Uh, it keeps on happening where it's like, you know, they're about, Hangman's about to nail Kenny Omega, and it just slightly does not happen that way. And I, he, they're going against the Lucha Bros. I wouldn't be surprised if their title reign for tag team champions is short-lived and the Lucha Bros take it off, and that's when they kind of start what what it's inevitably an explosion uh, with with Page at the end of the match. You know the champions retain after hitting a combination of the buckshot lariat and a V trigger on Kazarian. And uh, after the match, a big brawl broke out involving the Dark Order, the Best Friends, Hybrid Two, Butcher and the Blade, and the Young Bucks. The Bucks stood tall at the end, uh, taking out everyone with dives. Uh, that's going to be a I I think they're doing a tag gauntlet match. Either that or they're doing some type of tournament uh, to figure out the uh, number one contenders for it. So that's why all of them were involved. Uh, but before that, we had Tenny in the ring celebrating, and he looks over, and Adam Page has already ditched it into the fucking crowd drinking beer with them. So uh, great, great tag match start off. I'm really happy that I, I think that because of Chris Jericho, probably JR, and Tony Khan, a lot of other people, They've really tightened up on the tag matches themselves and not making the referee look like an idiot and really trying to keep track of that. So I definitely appreciate that. And I love Kenny and Hangman together, and uh, I just know it's going to explode. And it's so funny because Hangman was not really interesting to me at all when he was going against Jericho for the title. And now the way, the direction, if it doesn't go in a really negative way, I think he's had so many layers that I, I, I would love to see him eventually get the title. So how'd you feel about this first match to open up AEW Dynamite, Chris? I liked it a lot. I thought it was a very good match. Great back and forth, like you said. Um, SEU's still incredible. I don't know what they're going to do with them. I'm assuming that – I feel like Christopher Daniels is doing the Dark Order thing, and regardless of if Matt shows up or not, I, you know, Matt could always he be He did run addition. off. He ran yeah, off for no so reason. Just, it just seems like they're teasing that. Now that could just be a tease to throw throw you off the trail of Matt Hardy. So if that's the case, then cool, whatever. I'm I'm cool with either way. Like we've talked about in the past, the Hangman Page stuff is great, man. Like they, they, as soon as they actually gave this guy something to latch onto, I think he's really made it work. The problem is, is the fans are really behind this. Uh, so I'm still like we've talked about preview on previous shows. I don't know how they're going to turn this guy heel. I think they're going to retain just because I feel like the match is, you know the elite versus each other, essentially. Um, so I feel like that's, you know, probably what's going to happen. Um, I, I like that you, Dane, you've seen varsity blues, right? Yes. Okay. So you remember the character tweeter where at the end they're like tweeter drink beer cause tweeter drinks beer after they win the championship or whatever. That's like current <laughs> level Adam Hangman Page for me, and I absolutely adore it. I think it's fucking great. But, uh, yeah, the young standing tall makes sense. I mean, I feel like they have to win whatever matches they're put in because I think the end goal, like I said, is is them versus the elite and the dissension between Adam Page and uh, Kenny Omega. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be very exciting. Uh, And I'm very interested to find out who's going to win. See, that's the thing. It's like you'd, you'd think it would be the Young Bucks, but it, at this point, between the Dark Order, the Best Friends, Hybrid 2, Butcher the Blade, could be anyone, just based on the Young Bucks and how they booked themselves. So 
And it's like, I guess technically they're going to go against whoever wins between Kenny and Adam against the Lucha Bros. And I think, honestly, even though they put on great matches, I don't think any of us would be really interested in Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros. So that would mean Paige and Kenny probably do win against the Young Bucks. And then maybe there's your big confrontation, is what I would assume, uh, possibly at the pay-per-view. Would that make sense, Chris? Yeah, that's that's kind of the way I'm leaning as well. And fortunately for us, AEW does things that make sense, so we're probably spot on. <laughs> All right. So then we had uh, two cool segments back-to-back. Jim Ross had a sit-down interview with Santana about John Moxley poking his eye last week. Fucking incredible interview. I love LAX because they're showing layers they've always had, but Ortiz is the funny guy. He's He's – he kind of there's there's elements that remind me of Tamatanga, maybe even X Pac, but he's always, you know, making more of it a show and acting like, just just doing funny things basically uh, throughout it. But Santana, he's very much the straight man between the two of them. And this, I thought his interview with Jim Ross was awesome. I love the old school Jim Ross interview. It reminded me of him back with uh, Monday Nitro, or Monday Nitro, Monday Night Raw that he used to do with a lot of people like Mick Foley and, uh, and Stone Cold and, and, and everything like that. So I hope they continue doing those type of segments. Uh, I thought that he, he had a great promo about his dad and how he lost his sight and how he passed away and, you know, that he's been going through hell lately and that he really took that and flipped it for to make a great promo for the, the uh, last match. And then we had Darby Allen who um, had a series of sign-parodying uh, Sammy Guevara, uh, suggesting that Sammy got – herpes from kissing uh, Chris Jericho's ass too much. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's playing <laughs> off the fact that he can't speak right now because he, he got his larynx, um, you know, ruptured when they did that chair spot. So he called out Sammy Guevara. I, I kind of said that this was probably going to happen. And I'm looking forward to, if it's not at the pay-per-view, but at one of the upcoming Dynamites, a fucking awesome match with Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara. I really like the segment, and I really like the interview. What did you think about both those segments, Chris? I absolutely loved uh, Santana's promo, and I like the promo he also cut on um, Twitter a little bit beforehand. I don't know how many people saw that, but he had a thing where it was an eye for an eye, and he had a little promo on there, and then I think they expanded upon that on TV, which I appreciate, and I liked it a lot, man. I, I, I also got homage to some of those old Jim Ross interviews, and I loved it. And I think him and Shivani are perfect for those roles, like throwing them in there and doing that, because it is something different we don't really see anymore, and it's got a unique feel to it. And uh, he did, he cut one hell of a promo, man. So uh, I thought that was great. Um, for the Guevara stuff, I'm super excited about that. I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, I think Darby Allen versus Guevara, that's a fucking match I definitely want to see. And I like that he's selling the larynx and uh, kind of going about his business as usual, being as crazy as he is. Yeah, man. I really, really am enjoying Darby Allen. Um, all right, let's go to the next match, which was Dustin Rose going against Sammy Guevara. Uh, and. Dustin is just a fucking specimen for his age to be able to perform the level that he is right now is ridiculous. He ended up doing screw doing the fucking uh, Canadian destroyer. He did the Panama sunrise version of it that Adam Cole does. And after the match, after beating uh, Sammy with the final reckoning, 
he called out Jack Hagar and said that, you know, stop collecting paychecks and challenge him to a match at Revolution. And Jack's the one who broke his arm, so I'm glad they're keeping the storyline going. And that should be a good match. I'm looking forward to seeing Jack Hagar have his first big match and probably big big win because I, I see him, you know, beating Dustin. Uh, but just a pretty damn good match. Uh, well, how'd you feel about it, Chris? I like the match a lot. That spot was really cool that he did Panama Sunrise. I thought that was neat. Um, and I, I like the setup. I, I love the Gruden dude, Dustin versus, uh, uh, fuck, I almost called him Jack Swagger, uh, Hagar. Um, and one of the things I like about it is as a first match back, I don't think you can have a better opponent, right? Like, you know, Goldie, Dustin's going to take good care of him in the ring, and they're probably going to have a really good match. I feel like they'll be able to work well with each other. And also, Dustin might get some color. So <laughs> there's always oh, that. He will. He's going to be bleeding like a stuffed pig, probably having a panic attack like he <laughs> did last time. Oh, All right. If that thing if that so, thing yeah. turns into a brawl, that could be like one of the surprises of that entire night, regardless of how, some of the other great matches we're going to get. I think that might be one that surprises people. If, if it turns into a brawl and they highlight um, more of uh, Hager's like you like not UFC but Bellator's mixed martial arts fighting abilities, and they really highlight that, and you get like Dustin kind of doing a. Well, we keep bringing him up, but he's one of my favorite of all time. Kerry Funk, like, I just will not quit kind of gimmick. That could be a, that yep. could be a sleeper for sure on that card. I agree. And then we had Tony Schiavone, another person, you know, kind of doing the, uh, what we were talking about, like the Mean Gene style things. Still with Dr. Britt Baker, and she was just mean. This is the best Britt's been on the mic. I thought, uh, what did she call them, like a bunch of fat uh, – Clueless, Whataburger, eating. I don't remember exactly the, the statement, but uh, she's getting better at delivery. <laughs> she's becoming better as a heel. I don't know if some of it's, you know, I, if if your significant other is Adam Cole, and I would say Adam Cole arguably is one of the best heels in the business right now, you can probably fucking get some type of information from him. And besides the wealth of knowledge of half the staff at AEW, like we've said, so – uh, I'm glad she's going this route. Uh, she said that she, what she did to Yuka Sakazaki's teeth last week wasn't that big of a deal because that tooth uh, was had a bunch of decay or, or something like that. Um, so she went after everyone. She's, yeah, she said that they were chubby Whataburger faces. <laughs> Pretty good statement. I, 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 I'm happy they're doing this with her, but at the same time, the only problem, they don't have a lot of baby faces. So strange still at the same time. What did you think, Chris? Yeah, it gets stranger later on with the baby faces, by the way, as we go through this show. But, um, yeah, I like her promo a lot. I think that she's getting better and better each week, and that line's totally a fucking Tully Blanchard line. Like, that is – so I am i don't know if he was involved with this promo or what, but that's a very much a Tully Four Horsemen Ric Flair line, like a very much shut up fat boy kind of line. Um, so I loved that. I thought that was, was a great line. I – I, they need. I know that she's been. We get it. Um, the tooth decay stuff. That's like us. That to me is a yawn. But like you know, the Waterburger fat face thing is pretty great. Yeah, I agree. Well, then we had the uh, the AEW Women's uh, Championship match. Nyla Rose going against Rio. This was a fucking awesome match. Um, I want to say that this might have been. This is definitely Nyla's best match. But like. 
I don't know. Rio's had some good matches, but to make herself look that believable against a threat like Nyla, like she has in the past, but it really seemed like she was going to do it. Um, I'm really starting to get the, the, the appeal of kind of like the female Rey Mysterio styled person in Rio, but inevitably she lost to Nyla Rose after a spear and a beast bomb. Uh, Nyla won the championship. And after the match, Rose went backstage and talked trash to Kenny Omega and most of AEW's women's division for not having her back and not saying a damn word when she won the belt, uh, unlike other people. But uh, kudos to Nyla. It sucks that we can't have Awesome Kong and her have a, uh, you know, a, a, a Haas battle because Awesome Kong's out, um, partially with injury and partially filming for the new uh, season of GLOW, which is the reason why there will be no more um, whatever the hell it was, Nocturnal Collective or whatever. Um, Nightmare Collective. <laughs> sure, sure, that's it. That's that's the name. Uh, but I'm happy Nyla has the championship. I think that, we, you know, Rio, she's, she's really, she's building herself now. But since she doesn't get a chance sometimes to be in, you know, on AEW every week, maybe this is a better person, build some more baby faces. Chris Statlander stands out in my mind. And just get Rio to be, you know, that the first champion, so that eventually she can get get the belt, and she'll have more, uh, you know, more not credibility, but but more more of a story, if that makes sense. Uh, how did you like this match, Chris? Surprised, surprised by it is probably a better term than the like. Didn't like it. I, I liked the match itself a lot. I thought it was pretty good. I was surprised that they took the title off Rio. Um, especially just because of all the backlash with the cornet and Omega crap that happened last week or whatever the hell was going on between Dave Omega and, and Cornette and then the burial of Rio that happened all over Twitter, which is disgusting, by the way, you guys should fucking definitely be ashamed of yourselves. Um, I thought the match was very good. It, it, it was better than their first match. And I thought that match was also pretty good. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with Nyla going forward. I think that you made a good point with Statlander. Britt Baker is obviously someone they can build up. Maybe this was an attempt to try to make Nyla Rose a little bit of a baby face by saying, like, hey, no one had my back, et cetera, trying to appeal to that, which, okay, if that's a continuous thing and it's a chip-on-your-shoulder kind of deal and you, and you prove it by beating everyone, that's great. If you want to do the Haas battle – um, and they've had her in the past, you have Aja Kong. So you could always do that as well, right? So yeah, uh, maybe down the line we get that. Um, the Awesome Kong stuff and the Nightmare Collective, that's really weird because there's that rumor that there was a – basically the Bucks and Kenny Omega squashed that also outside of just the Awesome Kong injury. Um, and I think for probably for better – if that's the case, uh, that to me that was that was one thing on the show that was just glaringly bad. But in the night, uh, not the Nightmare Collective, the Dark Order—they're goofy. People like those video promos though, and I feel like if you put Daniels in there or Matt Hardy, it gives it a little bit more legs uh, to run on, and maybe people will get behind it as opposed to Nightmare Collective, which I think just all around everyone kind of hated. Yeah, apparently, and there's actually, if you guys want to go out, it's 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 one of the free things that the Observer puts on YouTube on their YouTube station. Good interview with Brandy and uh, Dave, um, and she explains that 
there wasn't really supposed to be a nightmare collective. What happened was she was supposed to be the manager for, for Kong. Kong was going to go out, sculpt people, and, and that was going to be her thing. But she had a nagging injury that ended up making her such she wasn't able to work in the ring. And it, when it got closer and closer to her having to do the new season of Glow, they just realized they had to build something else, and kind of that came on itself. And uh, apparently Brandy didn't really want to – she did not want to get in the ring for one thing, and she also did not want to do much besides managing just um, Kong. There wasn't supposed to be a faction. So when it came down to it, all the people, including Brandy, were just like, let's kibosh it, and, you know, we'll, we'll figure out maybe something for, I think it's Meg and um, Dr. Luther, or whatever the fuck his name is. Just just put him in the goddamn the other thing, the uh, – the the Smash Brothers, <laughs> just smash so. the Dark Order. There yeah. you go. Yeah, I mean that'll be. I mean that could be kind of fun too. Just having more wacky characters in the Dark Order. Um, if Matt Hardy is indeed the guy, having more wacky characters with Matt Hardy, I think will work. But there's a lot of legs there. All right, here's here's a. I have a bone to pick with AEW. Um, just because I give WWE shit for this all the time, especially what they just did with John Morrison of having him show up on two shows and fucking make a behind-the-scenes segment and then have a segment with The Miz, and then he premieres instead of just having him come out on, like, you know, Royal Rumble. Chris Jericho revealed that he enlisted a new bodyguard, a new assassin for him, and it's going to be Jeff Cobb. And he's going to take out John Moxley on behalf of the Inner Circle next week after Santana destroys him. So obviously at the end of the night, we knew that Jeff Cobb came out after all the Inner Circle members gave John Moxley their finishers, ending with the Judas effect from Chris Jericho. He swore it off uh, Jeff Cobb, who came out and did the Tour of Ireland's fucking awesome power slam that he does. Um, why make a segment – if you're going to fucking have him come out at the end of it, don't have a segment beforehand. Just let him come out and people will just be like, whoa, is that Jeff Cobb? Because honestly, like most people like myself thought that he was still hired completely with Ring of Honor. I didn't know he was a free agent and just had some stuff left over. And it's kind of like what Marty was until he re-signed. Uh, so it was out of nowhere. And honestly, maybe just not mention who is going to be the opponent of Moxley next week establish that and then Jeff Cobb comes out. I don't know. It just it seemed very lackluster, especially when they make this segment for it and it's like they paid money for this. They should have just had him fucking come out at the end. I don't know. Am I am I being ridiculous about that, Chris? No, I think it's one of those things that could go both ways because they also get criticized with like some talent they bring in of not telling you who the guy is immediately. And I guess the idea, and my thought of what the idea is, is him announcing who it was. It gave the announcers time to talk about it as opposed to him just showing up and maybe run into that weird shit with Excalibur that we've had in the past. So I think it was maybe an overcorrection on some previous mistakes. Um, and, yep. I, and the idea, obviously, was to build, build the match. So I, I think that one's one of those that I can let go because – I feel like you're going to get 50-50. Some people are going to bitch about, like, oh, well, who the fuck is Jeff Cobb? And some people are going to be like, I fucking know who Jeff Cobb is. He's awesome. That'll be great. Um, yeah, so I, I agree with you. 
I agree with you, but there is a difference. You know, I hope they don't do this for like a Brian Cage when he gets there, or for Luke Harper. It's like even I would I wouldn't put Jeff Cobb up to that level, but more so than the Butcher, the Blade, the Candlestick Maker, Luther. You know, people that are very much unknown, even to like wrestling fans like me and you. You know. Yeah, agreed. And I, you know, I'm with Luke Harper. I guarantee you that's not going to happen. Just because he, he was on not. WWE product, people are people are going to know who the fuck he is, right? So um, I don't think they're going to do that at all with him. But uh, I, I, it's one, like I said, to me, not a huge deal. I've watched Jeff Cobb in Ring of Honor in New Japan and kind of all over the place, uh, honestly. So, it, Dude, I, but I get awesome. why they do it. Because it's one of those things where if they don't do it and people don't know who he's, you get that weird backlash. So at least they're trying to correct a mistake. Like I said, it could be an overcorrection, but I didn't have as much of a, a huge problem with it. And I guess like you kind of talked about the main event a little bit, or do you want to wait and because there's one match well, in yeah. between. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to it. I, I also want to just end that if you don't know a lot about Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb, uh, there was a year where I discovered Jeff Cobb uh, in a match against Keith Lee because I shortly uh, discovered him. And uh, when I saw both these guys, I was like, they're fucking going to be big in the next couple of years. Another person, Darby Allen, when Court Bauer was talking about him nonstop about how he's the next Jeff Hardy. And see them where they're, they, they, what they've become is pretty awesome. And if you don't know about a lot about Jeff Cobb, he's been on the industry for a while. He is an Olympian, um, and I mean the motherfucker. He was uh, Montanze Carrierto or Kierto on uh, basically the Kane character on Lucha Underground. But he kind of is like a combination of like Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle, and uh, Rhino, if you will, all mashed up into one badass hoss motherfucker. That's normally a babyface, but I think he's going to be. They've got a lot, Chris. They've got. They've got Luchasaurus, they've got Jake Hager, they've got um, uh, Wardlow, they've got, you know, potentially Brian Cage, potentially Luke Harper. They're tr- they've been courting, um, uh, fuck, the guy from New Japan, the crazy-ass guy that spits everywhere. I mean, uh, regardless. Lance, Lance Archer. If they're really getting all these guys, that's one. That's a lot of badass heavyweight Haas matches that we can look forward to, you know? And then you throw Dustin in there, too. Yeah, and, and the thing about their big ass Hawks matches is they're going to have more free reign on the kind of shit they do in the ring. Whereas, like, if you look at some of the stuff Samoa Joe used to do and, and uh, even Keith Lee to some extent, they dial that shit way back. Kevin Owens is like a prime yeah. example of, of, even if you go back to that first John Cena match, which I've talked about, um, the stuff he was doing in that match, they have dialed way back. Um, so that that's going to be the one exciting thing is that. Now WWE can't look at that company and go, oh, they're all little guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so um, they have some guys that I, they wish they had. Yeah, so especially with like someone like Luke Harper, he can go over there and dominate well, like a complete badass. Like they're getting some size on the roster, which I, I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Um, not to sound like a size queen, so to speak, but uh, I don't think that's a There's bad thing a at all. Queen. And it is, <laughs> it is exciting to uh, to picture some of those matches like. Uh, like I want to see Jeff Cobb and Cody again because I thought they had a really yeah. good match in Japan. So I would be really excited to see that. Um, man, there's a lot of good matchups from there, and and hopefully Luchasaurus kind of uh, 
gets back to where where he was before he got hurt because i would i would uh i would love like luchasaurus versus jeff cobb uh, i think that would be fucking awesome too yeah man uh it's gonna be fun all right so we had one of the greatest heels in the business if not the greatest definitive heel in the business mjf going against jungle boy or for all the people that get mad at jr jungle jack perry Sorry, he's trying to make a name for him when he's not a fucking boy anymore, you little bitch marks. Um, but, dude, this was the future of, of wrestling. I mean, these guys, along with Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara, they're the youngest that are on the roster. They're all in their 20s. And the, the amount of knowledge, especially the fact that you know that MJF had to study so much stuff because it's not common, a lot of the stuff that he does, like heel tactics. And Jungle Boy just continues to get better and better. Uh, I really enjoyed this match. Uh, uh, Brandy was on commentary, and there was a part where MJF uh, said, Hey, Brandy! And grabbed his whole entire junk and said, Why don't you get with the real man? And JR was not happening. He was pissed. And he was like, You shut up! You shut up, young man! And started shaking, and and Brandy was uh, very happy that JR came to to her rescue. But just... Fucking brilliant heel, man. Uh, at the end of it, you know, getting Wardlow to come out and then give him the ring, knock him in the face, and then do the double cross, which is fucking Cody's move to win the match. Uh, I can't speak more about more positive things about MJF, and I can't wait because of how good he is for him to eventually get his fucking ass kicked. We got Wardlow and Cody in a steel cage. You know my my prediction, if you will, that Arn Anderson is going to be involved and get his arm broken or, or some shit uh, within it. But regardless, how did you like this match, Chris, between MJF and Jungle Boy? I thought it was a really fun match. I like. Um, I, I think MJF did a good job of making Jungle Boy look good for the most part. Also, it wasn't a clean victory. MJF, you know, hit him with the diamond ring. They really sold that. I like the Brandy Rhodes. Uh, thing even though she was terrible on commentary, I thought it was a cool spot, and I like Jr. defending her. And also, I'm completely with you. Like, it's fine if he co- they call him Jack Perry anyways. So if he calls him Jungle Jack Perry instead of Jungle Boy, who gives a shit? Like, I, it doesn't matter. We all know he's Luke Perry's kid. Like, they're they're doing their best to try to get the guy over. I mean, they haven't put him in any situation where he's just gotten his ass completely. It's like, he's not getting buried. He's not fucking Cedric Alexander right now. I'll tell you that. So like, calm down bro. <laughs> a little bit. Bro, if, if, I, I wouldn't get into it because between commentators, fans, marks, just uh, for anything. And I, I think everyone realizes that out there, there's always just this bitching. And I, if I had Thanos's fucking his snapping ability, it would be very, very centered at certain fucking people. I just got to say that. Anyways, <laughs> um, but I, I will say, um, even if you had a problem with that, the Jr. defending Brandy thing, it, it appeals to who Jr. has been in the past as a character, as a wrestling commentator. So I enjoyed that. I enjoyed MJF being a complete shitbag. I also enjoyed where uh, there's some Twitter footage. There's this they they always have a, like a plant for him. I think there was like a bust a, a guy from Busted Opens podcast, like a, a face sign, and they were I guess that guy had been talking about not hitting people in the head with chairs, and he like pulled the the face sign down and then threw a chair at it, which was pretty fucking great. So if you're not if you're not following MJF on Twitter, 
definitely do that because he has some entertaining things that we don't necessarily always see on TV. Well, interesting. Definitely have to check that out. All right, so next week's episodes will include Cody versus Wardlow in the Steel Cage, like I said. Omega and Page uh, defending the tag titles against the Lucha Bros, like I said, and then a number one uh, contender tag team battle royal, and then John Moxley against Jeff Cobb, all in Atlanta. And me and Chris will probably be watching it on our televisions because we're old. So, but still, that's fucking awesome. Uh, we had another video package promo from Pac. And Pac and um, uh, Kenny Omega face each other in a 30-minute Ironman match in two weeks. I can't fucking wait for that. And then the last match itself, Chris. John Moxley, Santana. Uh, just brutal match. Uh, there was kind of a point where it turned into like a blindfold match in its closing moments. And uh, Moxley won with the paradigm shift after the match. The entire inner circle uh, came out. They all gave their major finishers for the most part, ending with a Judas effect. And like I said, then Jeff Cobb came out, did the tour of the islands to Moxley, and the heels stood tall. What did you think about this ending, and what do you think about Pac's uh, promo against Kenny Omega? I, I love Pac's promos the past two weeks. What, last week he was, what, sitting in that corridor thing? Did, that's what we talked about last week, right? Or am I two weeks behind? Anyway, anyways, I've really liked his fucking promos. I think that's going to be a great match. They're doing that 30-man, was it a 30-minute Ironman match? Yes. Yeah, so that's going to be one hell of a fucking match. Like, those guys are going to go all off for that match. That's going to be a, a show-stealer easily. Um, the Moxley stuff, completely fine with. The heels got to get their heat back. Um, he would kind of kick their ass three weeks in a row to put a guy's eye out, beat him with baseball bats has constantly ran away from them, outsmarted them. So it's finally time that the gang kind of get their revenge a little bit so that he can get some heat on Jericho leading into the match. So completely fine with their way that landed. And I thought it was uh, well done. Definitely excited about seeing Jeff Cobb. Absolutely. Let's move over to NXT. Um, we had Roderick Strong. This is kind of another disappointing point. If I were them, I would have had Velveteen Dream just start off with a huge fucking promo and just build tension between him and Roderick Strong. I felt bad for Bronson Reed because I understand they, they set it up in those videos, but it just kind of was like, all right, we know what's going to happen. I mean, he's going to beat him. And they had a small match. Uh, first, Velveteen Dream's lights and music distracted Strong during the match, but Strong was able to counter a top rope splash from Reed with a jumping knee strike for the win. After the match... Velveteen Dream showed up on the video screen, uh, showed off his new airbrush tights with Strong's family on them from last week, and said after he's gotten revenge on Strong, he's fulfilling Strong's wife, Marina Shafir's dreams. So, good, good, good stuff <coughs> in, the, in the sense of, like, I like all the stuff that he's doing against Roderick Strong. I just think that you finally got him back. Have him fucking just come out there and start off the thing, and you can still do stuff. Don't, you don't need necessarily a match with Bronson Reed between Roderick Strong and Velveteen Dream to set up some shit going forward for their match next week. But uh, how'd you feel about this opening? And are you excited that the Dream is back, Chris? I'm ex I'm excited that the Dream's back, even though they botched that spot, and I didn't really like this promo. He's coming back as a babyface against the top heel team. Why is he basically talking about banging this guy's wife? Like, that is – I mean, I get his Velveteen Dream. I get it. 
But didn't he have like a photo of fucking like Roderick's kid on his leg? Like if you look at those tights, it's kind of fucked up, dude. If you really think about it, I mean, like I don't know that Rick Rude ever took it that far, and to me that was like very heel, um, and not in a way that I, I would want my didn't, baby face to be. Didn't Didn't Velveteen Dream do the same thing with Roderick Strong with like the micro penis thing, where he had him like in the position like Shawn Michaels and digital? He's kind of a weirdo. Yeah, and I think that's part of his character, but when you're coming back from an injury to go against this team that supposedly injured you, I don't necessarily know that's the storyline you tell until you rebuild yourself a little bit. You know what I mean? So it's the promo to me was kind of a dud. I am excited to see him back. I'm excited for the match itself. But, uh, yeah, I'm done with the pants gimmick. It actually worked against him on his <laughs> – his sweet comeback last week where he just got tangled up in it to show, show them off. I, I don't know why all of a sudden they're fucking obsessed with his airbrushed pants. Um, I get it. He does the Rick Rude gimmick. We all get it. We've all gotten it since he like was doing it two years ago. So I don't know that we need to talk about it every week. So hopefully they'd move past that because I, I feel like he is a better character. I feel like there's better promos that he could cut. Um, so not a big fan. Not Not bearing it. Just pointing out my particular feelings on it and, and probably what I was would have suggested to do differently coming back from an injury of a big star like that. Yeah, I agree. All right, we're going to try to shuffle along a little bit faster to finish all this stuff up. Uh, we had some awesome vignettes with the Brozier Weights. If you didn't get a chance to watch them, they're on Twitter. It's them trying to figure out how they get the trophy from one place to the other. One, they put it in a uh, – in a uh, car and just, you can see the trophy just hanging out the whole entire time. And then the other one, they sneak into Hunter Hearst Helmsley's uh, loading area in his, um, in his uh, private jet, or at least WWE's private jet, but awesome stuff. I, I said to Chris about this. It's like, I wish that we got to see like Ben one and Rob Van Dam do this back in the day. Like it's just like Matt Riddle just sells the shit out of it. Uh, we had a match with uh, Dakota Kai and Candice LeRae, um, she ended up, or uh, yeah, uh, Cancelary ended up losing to Dakota Kai, and it kind of just sets up more tension for her match with Tegan Knox. Uh, Tegan arrived, and the two of them brawled at the end of it. Uh, so, you know, that was pretty cool. Um, how did you like the Brozier Weights uh, stuff, and how did you like the match with Dakota Kai and Candice LeRae? Dude, Matt Riddle in that fucking goose paddle boat. <laughs> Calling, <laughs> calling Pete Dunn a silly goose it was the highlight of my entire Wednesday. I think what they're doing is great, and I actually hope that they win the tag titles and they keep them together a little bit longer because it has been so good. The vignettes, yes, they were over the top. The car angle looks super silly. It definitely was very fast times at Ridgemont High. I think that was what they were going for. But Matt Riddle, I, I don't think that there's anyone in the entire world that you could ask to nail the character he is playing better than he is, and that's because it's it's fucking him. And it feels honest, and it comes off genuine, and Pete Dunn is playing, like, the perfect stoic, um, I, I want to say kind of friend, maybe, but it's been great. I absolutely adored these segments, and definitely, if you haven't seen them, go watch them on Twitter, because they're hilarious. It's actually good WWE comedy, which doesn't happen very often, so revel in it. Um, Dakota Kai, I mean, like you said, I think this is just uh, furthering that, like the Kodakai Candice LeRae match is just furthering that feud with uh, Tegan Knox. So, 
Um, it was fine. It was kind of a short match, honestly, in my opinion, at least. Between those two, I, I think we could have gave him a little bit more time, at least. Yeah, it, it seems like Candice is kind of, you know, I, I, I'm assuming she doesn't mind taking L's as much because these two are both someone that I think she helped teach. So, uh, you know, but yeah, I do agree. It's a little bit short. Another short match, her significant other, Joni Gargano, went against uh, Cameron Grimes. They had a good match. It just was very short. And then uh, Gargano won by submission with the Gargano escape. Um, and we had a pretty awesome cruiserweight match with Leo Rush going against Angel Garza for number one contender. I like this because Leo was back. He was going against Angel, which makes sense. He ended up winning, which Angel's now going to be, you know, obviously uh, on Raw in that whole angle. And uh, this gives Leo Rush a chance to have an awesome fucking match with Jordan Devlin, who came out. They had a little stare off. And I just wish that Rush, why don't they give him the mic? Like, he's really good on the fucking mic, and they never give it to him anymore. It's very strange. How'd you like this match in the Gargano match, Chris? The Gargano match, I think, was fine just because they're building him up, right? So, yeah, no problems there. It does suck for Cameron Grimes a little bit because it seems like they kind of halted what they were doing with him. Um, so, outside of that, I mean, there's just a lot of really good talent on this card, right? So, you, you got to do what you got to do. Um Leo Rush, I like that he got his win back over Angels, sets him up for the number one contendership against Devlin. He's coming in as a baby face. Um, it does suck he didn't get any promo, really. Uh, but hopefully going forward, they'll give him something. I mean, this is, what, his first match back? So maybe we'll see more of that in the future. That's that's what I'm hoping for, at least. And, and we, get some Mark yeah. Henry, we, get, we get some Mark Henry narration, by the way. <laughs> Did that was you awesome. notice that? And that was awesome. That was he would get a video. I would love to see them do more of this. And I know Mark Henry actually has some like uh, he knows Keith Lee. Keith Lee considers him a mentor. Um, but I liked him kind of analyzing two big guys and their match that's going to be for the North American Championship at Takeover Portland. I thought that was very cool. Um, yeah, and then we had uh, Bianca Belair squashing uh, Santana Garrett. I hope that they that was just. For this match to build it up because Santana Garrett is actually a really good wrestler, uh, so I'd like to see her do a little bit more. But um, after that, Ripley came out in the ring and uh, she uh, basically wasn't paying attention just for a split second. Bel Air got her with the KOD, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that was that. Well, how did you feel about the Mark Henry narrated video? And then uh, how did you feel about the Bianca Belair squash match? I liked the video. I'm not super excited about another Keith Lee uh, Dijakovic match, even though I think it'll be pretty good. I just, uh, I don't know. I feel like that maybe they should be doing more with Keith Lee, but it seems like they're sticking to the plan, what they had planned originally um, headed into Mania. So I guess, uh, as we've said a bunch of times, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think the match itself will be great, and I liked Mark Henry narrating it for sure. Bianca Belair, you know, same thing as Gargano. She just needed a strong win. Uh, I agree with you. I like Santana Garrett, so I hope they do something with her down the line. And obviously with Shayna going up to Maine, more than likely, um, and, and Rhea Ripley being more involved with Charlotte, we might see that roster open up a bit more which I think will be good because it, it's loaded with talent and it's a two hour show. So that's their biggest, uh, biggest problem, much like AEW uh, in some senses. Absolutely. 
All right, so at the end of it, we had an awesome uh, promo with Tommaso Ciampa about Adam Cole and TakeOver Portland uh, from the same auditorium where he had to give up the NXT Championship due to injury. Just, dude, Ciampa's so fucking good, man. He is zoned in. He's a monster. And uh, I really enjoy all of this stuff. Uh, His opponent, the NXT Champion, went against Kushida. And this was an awesome fucking match. Uh, I love seeing Kushida you know, given a high-profile type of situation. Still want more with him and Alex Shelley, but I'm glad that he was in the main title picture. Uh, just hard-hitting match, a lot of great technical stuff. Kushida's amazing. Like like I think I've said before in the past, there's only certain wrestlers, Daniel Bryan, Owen Hart, Ricky Steamboat, where they're great aerial wrestlers and also amazing technical wrestlers at the same time. Like, both of them are equal strengths for said wrestler, and he's great. I love Kushida. Cole pinned Kushida after the last shot after the match. Tomas Ciampa came to the ring, and he and Cole had a stare down ahead of their championship match at TakeOver Portland. How would you like the ending between the Ciampa promo and then the match with Adam Cole and Kushida? Ciampa continues to be one of the best things in NXT. thought it was great. Um, and the match between Adam Cole and Kushida may have been my favorite match of Wednesday night, if I'm being completely honest. I, I'm a huge Kushida fanboy, and, and anyone who's listened to this podcast knows this. Um, I just He's taken a bunch of losses. I think they need to rehab him a little bit. But Kushida c- can still give you high-quality matches. I just don't know if it's, uh, if it's ever really going to get to that level in WWE, and that saddens me. Um, Kind of makes me wish he would have just stayed in New Japan to some to some extent. Yeah, but, uh, it it is what it is, and this was a good match with Adam Cole, and at least he's working with big name guys. I mean, it's not like he's he's at the bottom of the barrel. And uh, my one complaint about this show: not enough fucking Austin Theory. Where's Austin Theory at? But I I I get it. It's a go home show, but I need more Austin Theory in my life. Oh, he'll. I think he's going to be there very very soon. All right, so quickly, before we, we sign off, let's go over the six matches uh, and just real quick predictions, Chris. Who do you think is going to win for TakeOver in Portland this Sunday? Uh, street fight between Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. I'm going to say Tegan Knox. Who do you got? I I also have Tegan Knox. I feel like maybe they just put it into to this uh, feud here, so... Uh, I'm, I'm fine with that. I think the fans are behind Tegan, so I, I got Tegan Knox on this one. Now, I could see because of the fact that building a good uh, heel, getting Dakota Kai the win, but yeah, yeah, I think Tegan's probably, she's had a fucking journey, man. Uh, Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano, I think Johnny's going to win, but I want Finn Balor to win. I, I, I just have a fucking feeling he's going to win the damn match. Who do you think? I actually have Finn Balor getting a strong victory here, honestly, because I feel like they're going to build him. I feel like they're building him to something huge on Mania, and maybe that is the Jeff Hardy thing. Um, but I feel like awesome. he's going to get a big win here against against Gargano. Um, it's going to be a good match regardless, but I do think Finn, especially the way they've been showing him hit that 1917 with these very strong wins and this more attack edge of Finn Balor, I feel like that's the route they're going. All right, the North American Championship match, champion Keith Lee going against uh, Dominic Dajakovic. Um, I, Keith Lee just got the championship. It's staying on him until they want to put him in a higher position. What do you think? 
agree with you 100%. I don't, I don't see Keith Lee losing, but I do think this could easily uh, be – I was going to say match of the night, and then I saw the next match. Uh, second match of the night. It'll be fucking good. It's always fun to watch Keith Lee and Dijakovic go at it, so it'll, it'll be a good match. Well, all bets are off on the Undisputed Era for me because this NXT Tag Team Championship match, Undisputed Era, the champs going against Brozier Whites, I think they're losing, and I think the Brozier Whites are gaining those titles. What do you think, Chris? 100% agree with you. I think that they, I think that Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle work way better than they expected, and it's going to be a incredible tag run for those two. I think they're going to keep them together until uh, they build up that feud a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I, I think the Broserweights get the W here. Yep, Broserweights win, work as a team for a while, and possibly have some fallout where Pete goes against, uh, you know, Matt Riddle and have some awesome matches. All right, NXT Women's Championship match. Rhea Ripley, champion, is going against Bianca Belair. Rhea's going to win this, but I would not be surprised if Charlotte causes it for some reason or something happens and this sets up the three ladies at WrestleMania. That's still my prediction. Charlotte, Rhea Ripley as the champion going in against Bianca Belair at Mania, NXT Women's Championship. What do you think, Chris? I, I, I agree with you. You could do it either way. You could have Bianca win it and have a strong win, um, but due to Charlotte, or, or you can have Bianca win it and have it be because of Charlotte and still set up a three-way. So either way you want to go here, I don't think it'll be a bad idea, but I do think they are leaning towards a three-way at WrestleMania. So I agree with you. And Bianca looked great in the Rumble too. So it seems like someone they're definitely behind. And you know why? Because Charlotte doesn't even go here. Anyways, last match, NXT championship match, the champ, Adam Cole, Tommaso Ciampa. Tommaso never lost that fucking belt. Adam Cole, love you. It's time for you to get the championship out of here. I want champion with the belt afterwards. What do you think, Chris? I'm kind of leaning towards the fall of the undisputed era and maybe some dissension. Um, so I'm going to go with Ciampa winning here. All right. Well, that is another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. I think we covered pretty much everything besides SmackDown. That will be tomorrow night. I have a bunch of stuff to do this weekend, so we probably won't have a Saturday show. But thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, I want to thank my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Uh, plug anything you want to plug, and uh, you say goodbye to the good people. Sure. You guys can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter and Christopher.R.Patton on Facebook. Also, if you're into hockey, check out Skate's Throats. We just did an original six rivalry. We talked about some fighting. We also talked about Gordy Howe being paid in pizza franchises. So we have a good show up, so check that out. And, uh, Dane, thanks for having me as always, man. Glad to be a co-host for you for three years, man. It's been amazing. Three fucking years. Three rings we're going to get from the WWE for a Hall of Fame. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. Like I always say, uh, new listeners, like I said, go to geekvibesnation.com. You can find information for all of our news articles, for various geek-related things like wrestling, like video games, like comics. So great news source. And then on there, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, links for all of them. Join Geek Vibes Nation. Join the conversation. You'll find links to anything between Stitcher, uh, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. So if you don't want to listen live on this wonderful uh, program, a blog talk. You can listen to it on any of them. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance or Geek Vibes Nation to find it either way. But thank you guys. 
Hope you guys have a wonderful evening. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy some good wrestling this weekend when you got NXT TakeOver. Thanks for listening. Enjoy yourselves. Peace out. And let the Geek Fives be with you. And join us next week on another episode of Dragon Ball Z.